This is Albert Figueroa, creative director here at Citywide Church. We want to thank you for joining us for the second week of our series, Standing Strong. Last week, Pastor Lewis talked about going home and that being the place where God has called us. This week's message, entitled, Hold the Line, teaches us to stand our ground against the enemy by putting on the armor of God. This message is going to impact your lives and encourage you to continue to stand strong all year long. Thank you for listening. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. If you love the Lord with all your heart, would you just make a shout for him right now? What a time of worship. Amen. What an amazing time of worship. I want to I take another quick minute, as I do often, but maybe not too often, or often enough, I'll say, is that I want to thank all of our volunteers, from our ushers to our greeters to our sound team. You guys are amazing. To our setup team, to our worship team. They just go above and beyond. And every Sunday, they're here at 8 o'clock in the morning, putting all this together because, because we do it for the Lord. Amen. We love them with all of our hearts. Anybody excited to go forward in this series here? I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. You know, last week we, we touched on our first week of our, of our series, and last week I preached a sermon entitled, Go Home. And if you weren't here last week, you definitely want to go to our website and check that out. Uh, it'll, it'll give you a, a context and a pretext for what we're going to be doing today and what we're saying today. But uh, anybody still got your cast on? Amen. Letting God work in your life, letting God do things through you. Amen. And uh, you know, now that you are home, and I, I refer to home as being the place where God has called you, the place where God has ordained you, the place where God has predestined. Somebody say predestined. And it's the place where God has predestined for you to be. We spoke on the story of a man named Jacob, the son of Isaac, who had left his place because of sin in his life, and he returned home. But today, I want to preach to you a message that I've, I've come to. The Lord's been dealing with me on this message for about maybe, I would say, seven weeks. And, and the Lord began to work in my heart because I was walking down my stairs one day. And for those of you who know my, my brother-in-law, Eli, he's in the armed forces. He's in the, he's in the Air Force. And even right now, he's stationed in Afghanistan. And he had just relocated to Japan. He was being stationed in Japan, and, and he, he looked at a bunch of stuff at his house. I was visiting him in, in New Jersey on base, and he looked at a bunch of stuff in his house that he did not need. And among those things, apparently in Japan, you don't need a, a flak jacket, a bulletproof vest. So uh, he said, do you want this? And I was like, I married your sister. To, I can get your bulletproof vest. This is why I married her. I mean, of course, I want that bulletproof vest, amen. And he was like, dude, it's all yours. And then he bust out with the military helmet. I wasn't aware of it today, but it weighs like 30 pounds. And so... I'm like, that's not going to happen. And so he gives me this helmet, and I put it in my trunk, and I left it there. And then when I sold my car, and I traded it in and bought a new car, I took all that stuff and threw it in my front steps. If you know me, by my house, you come inside, there's a flag jacket right there. And every morning, I walk by the flag jacket. And every morning, the Holy Spirit tells me, Lewis, hold the line. And, and I want to preach to you a message today called, Hold the Line. And uh, you might not know what that means right now, and that's okay. But by the end of the sermon, I believe with all my heart that I want this to be your war cry throughout the year of 2014. That all you say is when the enemy comes in like a flood, you're saying, you know, I don't care what's happening. I'm just going to hold the line. Tell your neighbor right now, hold the line. Come on, say it like you mean it. Hold the line. Hold the line. So here I am. I'm in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm starting from verse 10. 
Ephesians 6 verse 10 and I'm reading from the NIV translation and it says this finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take up a stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms and therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and pray in the spirit on all somebody shout all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints come on by your heads as we pray right now dear heavenly father we just come before your presence right now and we thank you for that awesome time of worship lord we thank you for what you're doing in the midst of your people lord we thank you for what you're doing in this church god Lord, as we've been fasting and we've been praying and we've been seeking after your heart this week, God, we ask you that you would just speak a new thing into our lives. Somebody say, Lord, speak a new thing into my life. Lord, I ask that you would remove every distraction, open up our spiritual ears as we go forward in this service. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Standing strong. As I read over this passage of scripture, you know, I... I'm in amazement at the words of Paul because Paul, in this closing chapter of the epistle, is summing things up. And, and in closing, he's like, to tie everything together, he's like, and by the way, guys, stand strong. By the way, just stand firm. When you've done everything that you could do, when like everything has transpired and nothing else is possibly going to happen, all I want you to do, look at your neighbor and say, stand strong. He says this, he says this, our strength as believers, he says, lean in on the power of God in his might. The ESV standard and the New Living Bible, it says, lean in on the might of God in you. Lean in on the power of God that is resting in you. Understand that all victory in your life, whether great or small, has got to be traced back to God. There is nothing that you can do on your own that is lasting victory that will come solely through you. It has to come through the Holy Spirit. It has to come through the power of God. And Paul says, listen, lean not on your own strength. Lean not on what you can do. Lean in on the power of God that is in you. Lean in on that strength. Our strength as believers, our ability to fight off the enemy cannot be based on your own knowledge. It cannot be based on your own power. It has to be based on the power and authority of God in your life. And so Paul says, and I say to you, be strong in the Lord. Tell your neighbor, be strong in the Lord. There is no true strength outside of God. Every strength and source of power outside of God is false. Every source of power that is in nature comes from God. For it was God who spun the earth once and it never stopped spinning. It was God who breathed across the earth and the winds haven't stopped blowing. It was God who stuck his foot into the ocean and kicked it and the streams of the world kept on going. It was God who, who blew the sun into the sky and it was God who commanded to burn daily and daily it burns bright and yet nothing can stop it because the power of God 
is unstoppable. And he says, lean on that power. Lean on the power that is within you. One of the laws of physics is that power is neither created nor destroyed. This is proof and evidence of God. Power is not created or destroyed. It's just taken from one form to the next and dissipated from one form to the next. Power cannot be created and power cannot be destroyed. Not electricity, not water, not nothing. And so this is proof of God that all the power that we use in the world comes from one source. Whether it be gasoline, electricity, it all comes from the sources of nature. And nature borrowed all of its power during the seven days of creation where God made everything. And Paul says, church, if you're going to stand strong, lean in on God's power. As humans, we have a propensity to lean in on our own strength throughout our week, throughout our year. We start the year strong. Some of you started your fast strong, and then you're just like, oh, this is too hard. I told someone just yesterday, I said, listen, man, these first 21 days of our year as we're fasting, it is us denying our flesh. Don't be like Adam falling in the garden because you can't control the appetite. But fight in your spirit. Stand strong in the word of God. If you stop fasting already, you should start back today. Amen. You should say, God, I'm giving you this offering of my time, of my sacrifice, Lord, that you would look upon me, Lord, and that this would be a pattern for the rest of my year and that my year would not be patterned in failure and stopping and starting and stopping and starting. But, Lord, that I stood strong the course of the year, Lord, that I stood faithful, that I could stand in December, you know, the last day of the year and say, I stood strong in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, lean in on that power. It's by him that all power came. He says, stand strong, for by his word you will sustain yourself. And Paul tells us then how. First he tells us what to do. Listen, stand strong. Now, I love Paul's description because he says, when you've done everything else that you could do, all I need you to do, folks, is stand. And I want to point some things out to you today. He says how? By putting on the whole armor of God. This is how you will stand strong. Notice Paul makes it clear that the armor is not yours. It is from God. He says put on the armor of God. God made it. God provides it. God supplies it. He made it possible. And when you put on his armor, you lean on his strength. It's kind of like David when he was about to fight Goliath. And Saul said, try out my armor. And David said, this don't fit me. Let me do what I know. You know that God has made armor that uniquely suits you, that uniquely fits your life, your situation, and what you're going to need from God. <clears throat> and then he tells us why we need this armor. I love looking at the Bible and just reading who, what, when, where, why, and how. What are we going to do? Stand strong. How are you going to do it? You're going to do it by putting on the armor of God. Why? Against the schemes of the devil. He ain't never said the devil's going to come after you. He said the schemes... The tricks and the plots of the devil. Because most times the devil comes in the form of a man or a woman. A circumstance or a situation. It ain't never going to be some demon showing up at your bedroom. Maybe it might happen. Sometimes it does. And if it does, pray. Good, good Lord, have mercy. But in your everyday life, what's going to happen is people under the influence of the enemy are going to come against you. And Paul says, put on the full armor of God against the schemes and the tricks of Satan. 
Satan, your enemy, desires nothing but defeat in your life. He desires nothing but to, to break you down and to make you unfaithful to God. Ephesians 1, 3, Paul is writing to the same epistle in the same church. He says this, that God has blessed you in Christ with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 3. <clears throat> so Satan understands that God has already, somebody shout already, blessed you with everything that you would need to succeed in life. God has given you everything. When you lean on the power of God within you, the spirit of God within you, and then you are able to know and see the works of the enemy. You're able to discern when the enemy is coming against you because you are now walking in the spirit and you're able to see the enemy for who he is and not for how you should react. You see the enemy and you say, I know that's not God. I'm not going to react to this. I'm not going to sow into this. I'm not going to breathe life into this. I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to let the enemy get one cent of my strength. Because what is the enemy after? He says this. Before I go there, he says this. You wrestle not against flesh and blood. Some of y'all might say, well, Pastor, you just said that some people are going to come on my path. But you're not ready. See, that's why, that's why, here's the problem. That's why you're not supposed to cuss somebody out when they upset you. Because it wasn't them. It was the enemy working through them. And then when we react ungodly, we stimulate the devil that's already in them, and they act more ungodly. And the book of Romans says that those who are not under covenant with God, they're lawless. They, got, they, don't, care, they don't care nothing. They're going to act however they, they got no rules. And so then you're driving down the street, and you're just flipping something out of the bird, and then they're following you all the way to press right. And then they want to hop out the car and fight you. You're like, why, Lord, do I go through all these things? Because you reacted and fell into the tricks and the schemes of the enemy. If there's friends that you got in your life that you can't hang out with and not get high and not drink and not act up and not get rowdy, don't be around them because they are the bait of Satan in your life. I got to do a preaching to the left, to the left, just like. And tell, you, you, you have to be able to cut some people off in your life for a season in order that you might gain your strength and come back and be able to win them over for the gospel. Now understand this, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And then he goes on to name four different entities you are fighting. He says, rulers and authorities, cosmic power and spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. That's very different entities. There's four different things you're fighting against rulers meaning local rulers demons that are over the city of Brisbane. then you have demons that are over the state and principalities and demons that are over the nation and then you have demons that are over the continent and then you have demons that are over an entire region of seasons and, and he says listen you have four different people to fight against you ain't got time to fight with one another you got four separate tipping types of demons and entities and principalities of darkness coming against you why are you arguing with your brother Worried about what somebody's doing, what somebody's not doing. He says, listen, the enemy is real. It's real. <coughs> Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, declares that he's been fasting for 21 days. He's been praying. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord came unto him and he said, Daniel, since the day you prayed, the Lord answered. But then he said this, but the prince of Persia, 
The prince of Persia withheld me so much so that the archangel Michael had to come and do war with him so that I can get through. Do you understand that the world we live in is under the power of the, of the enemy? Do you realize that in the air there are demons? And he said, listen, in order for the answer of your prayers to get from here to there, there had to be a war in the heavens. And some of you start praying and you stop praying because you ain't get your answer, but you haven't fought your answer through. And he says, you are going against heavenly and demonic forces. And you wonder why you got to stand strong. He said, you're fighting against principalities and demons in high places. Demons in high places. And Paul writes to this group. I I love this. I I love this so much because I I I want you to grasp this point. I really do with all my heart. Paul, Paul doesn't go to them and say, listen, church. I want you to put on the whole armor of God and I want you to go let loose and be crazy and fight the enemy at every chance. That's not what he said. He said, just stand. Why why would would Paul tell the church just to stand? Usually when you put on armor, you're going to fight, correct? But he says, all you got to do is stand there. Can, can Can I just let you in on something? That everything the devil's trying to do to your life is to steal something from your life. And that may sound really simple, but you have to realize this. He's out to steal. You ever heard somebody say, he's out to steal my joy? Yeah, because it's yours. He's out to steal my peace. Yeah, because it's yours. He's out to break up my marriage. Yeah, your marriage, your finances. He's after your joy, (coughs) your salvation, your peace of mind. He's after what you have because God's already given it to you. And Satan is not that God gave it to you or promised it to you. And so he comes against you. You don't have to go fight the devil. He's going to come fight you. You hear these people, we're going to fight against the devil. We're going to do that. Why? It's just right there. Just stand. He'll come to you. You don't got to go to the lunchroom and find the devil. Wait for him at the classroom. If he really wants it, he'll come get some, right? And Paul just said, listen, all you have to do, stand. Put on the armor, prepare yourself. It's like Jehoshaphat, the battle is the Lord's. Don't worry about it. It's like Jericho, just march around, sing, dance, do what you got to do. God's going to win this one for us. You don't have to fight the way you think you do. The enemy is already defeated. When, when, when Jesus went down after his crucifixion, he went down and he took the keys of death and took the keys of heaven away from Satan, the Bible says. In that moment, he was defeated. Satan literally has zero power. He has zero power in the life of a believer. That doesn't mean he can't try and influence. He can't try and throw stumbling blocks. But he has no power in your life. And Paul says, I just, he just says, listen, guys, when you've done everything you could do, just stand. And he says, stand with the armor of God. Each day you awake, church, you have to realize you've got to put on the armor of God. In your prayer time, in your life with Christ, you have to put on the armor of God. And Paul, I love Paul because Paul knows a thing or two about standing strong. Even as Paul writes this, he's in prison and he's chained to a Roman guard, and, and even as he's living his life, he's still serving God. He's telling people who are free to stand strong while he's a slave, while he is rather not a slave but a prisoner. 
He's been through whippings and beatings, and they tried to kill him in many different ways. They tried to stone him. In the end of his life, he would die. He would die a martyr's death, but he's been through shipwrecks. He's been through all manner of things. He's been poor and broken. He's seen it all. And this is Paul, who has been through so many things in his life. He has been through so many difficulties and so many hurts and pains while preaching the gospel and doing the will of God. And he's been through hell and high water, and he says, listen, just stand strong. And it comes, it comes it comes differently from a person who's been there. It comes differently from a person who knows how to stand strong and tell you, hey, listen, stand strong. But church in, excuse me, in Ephesus would have known Paul's plight. They knew Paul was in prison. They knew Paul had gotten beaten. They knew he had been shipwrecked three times. They knew he was stuck in the ocean for days on. And they knew for three days and nights he was lost. They knew the story of Paul. They knew the plight of Paul. And when Paul says stand strong, they're saying to themselves, if Paul can do it, come on, somebody said, so can I. And he says, stand strong by putting on the armor of God. And as he's, I imagine that as he's writing this, he's chained to this guard and he's looking at this Roman guard. He says, and put on the belt of truth. You see, the thing I love about a belt is that as a man, you know that a belt you know, I don't know about y'all, man, I can't walk around without it. But I don't know how some of these kids walk with their belt down to their, you know, their, their pants down to their ankles. I, I have to have a belt because the belt gives me free motion. Do I have a witness in the church? Amen. A belt, a belt gives you the ability to put stuff in your pockets without your pants falling down. The, the belt gives you the ability to run away from your wife when she's trying to throw stuff at you. The belt gives you all type of things. The belt gives you a a sense of of being able to move freely. And not just that. If you see, I'll tell you a story. About three weeks ago, I was I was I was going to a banquet for a pastor, and one of those things that require a suit, you know, and I had to put on a suit. And so I dug into my closet, pulled out one of my suits, and and to my dismay, I could not find my dressy belt, because every man should have a casual belt and a dressy belt. And if your dressy belt is your casual belt or your casual belt is your dressy belt, you're doing it wrong. Every man should have two belts. Wives, if your man doesn't have at least two belts, please go out to TJ Maxx today and get him a belt. And so, and so, this is funny because I could not find my, and I was already late. I had all types of issues. I was shov- the day of the snowstorm, that last Friday before the fast, and I was shoveling people out. I was doing all this stuff, and I was running people's houses, and I had to go, and I was like, man, I'm late, and I couldn't find my belt anywhere. I tried tucking my shirt in. I looked at me, I said, I look so stupid. I'm going to take three steps, and my shirt's going to pop right out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you, see, it's not cool to tuck your shirt in when you're wearing jeans, fellas. But when you got dressy clothes, tuck your shirt in. If you got a polo, don't tuck that in. That's, that's not citywide. But anyway, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is this. <clears throat> no, what I'm saying is this, is that I, I had to find a belt and I looked in my, my you done? I looked in my, in, my, in my dressers and I said, all I got is my dad's belt. And for those of you who know me, my dad was huge. I mean, 400 pounds huge. And I was like, I got to wear daddy's belt. So I had to bump a hole in dad's belt. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But the reason I did it was because I knew I could not carry my phone or my wallet or have things in my pocket or tuck in my shirt if I did not have a belt. You see, in the military, it's like a utility belt where you put your gun, you put your extra clips in there. You Like a cop has his flashlight and his taser and his handcuffs. And the whole outfit is centered around the belt. And the Roman soldier, his armor attaches to the belt. 
And he says, put on the belt of truth. Because the center of your trust and faith in God is that he is true. He is not a liar. He would not forsake you. And then outside of that, there's the truth that should be in your life, the integrity. There's nothing worse than having Christians you can't trust or believe because they're liars. I'm talking, you should have integrity in your life. Integrity is defined, in my opinion, as I used to teach people, is doing the right thing when nobody else is looking and saying the right things when you think nobody's listening. Integrity. You should have integrity in your walk with Christ. You should have integrity and truth. And centered on the truth of God and the truth that is relying and reflecting from God into your life, everything in your life hinges upon because there's nothing, there's nothing worse than a Christian with no truth. Because if a Christian is a liar, his faith is fake. If a Christian is not true in his mind, in his word, and in his actions, you should actually reflect the mindset of God. You should reflect the words of God. And if we have no truth in us, we don't reflect Christ. If we have not truth in us, I don't care if it's a big lie, a small lie, A little lie or a white lie, Satan is the father of all lies. And the moment you choose to lie, he is your father. You are not walking in Christ. And he says, put on the belt of truth. Because there's nothing better than being able to know someone you can trust their word. I've not been perfect in my life, but one thing my father taught me was to try my best to always keep my word. As a man, you, all you men know it's hard at times to keep your word. Sometimes you forget things, but as a man, people should be able to trust your word. I know there's people in my life, if I told them something and they said they're going to do it, I, I can trust my brother Reuben's word. He does what he says he's going to do when he's going to do it. I can trust him. I can trust brothers in my life. I can trust, I can, I can trust Melvin. I know that if I tell him something, it's between me and him, I can trust his word. I can trust his word. As a believer, can people trust your word? Part of the armor of God is being able to put on a belt of truth that says, not only do I know the truth, and the truth has set me free, and I have freedom in my life to be able to live Christ-like, but I'm also reflecting truth and speaking truth. What good is it to have a P90X or something like that, or a home insanity workout or something of those nature, and you're like, I got insanity, I got P-, but you're like 40 pounds overweight. Why are you telling me you have this? No, no, no offense to no one. Why are you working at it? Because you have it doesn't mean you're working at it. Because you know the word doesn't mean you're living it. Because you know the truth doesn't mean you're living it through your life daily. <clears throat> it's one thing to know truth and one thing to live truth. Tell your neighbor, live true. And Paul starts with that. He says, put on truth as a belt. Because without truth, man, church. We got nothing. Are you with me today? He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And there's two types of righteousness. There's one, the righteousness of God that's imputed over you because of Jesus Christ. The, the, the fact that he died on the cross for you and that God now sees you as he sees his son. And when God looks down on your church, he does not see you. He sees Christ in you. He sees Christ in you. But there's a flip side to that. And the flip side to that is that when Christ is in you, He should reflect through you. And in your lifestyle, you should live righteously. And and the righteousness as a breastplate, I don't know if you realize this, it kind of blocks the judgment 
of God concerning your sin because he already paid it to Jesus and not to you. And so when he sees Jesus as your righteousness, he says, I don't got to judge so and so for their sins because Christ paid the price. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. In our day, a breastplate would be maybe a bulletproof vest. Understand this, that you should live a righteous lifestyle. You should live right before the Lord. Righteousness means to be in right standing with God. Are you here with me today? Paul writes in Romans 6.13, this might come as a shock to you. Do not present your members, meaning your body, limbs, your legs, your fingers, your, your private parts. He says, don't present them to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Have you been brought from death to life? Yes, you have, church. I'll answer it for you. Pop quiz, I cheated for you. Give you the open book test. He paid the price. He said, live and present yourselves as those who have been brought from death into life. Don't go back to death. And present your members of your body to God as instruments for righteousness. Your life should reflect righteousness. Your life, you should live holy. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. You should live right. You should make every provision to stay away from sin. You should make every provision to do this. To not be someone who comes to and fro and keeps on laying down foundations of repentance because you keep on messing up. He says, no, don't do it. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, the justification that comes from the sanctifying power of Jesus Christ. And those are some really big words. And all I really said in layman's terms was, put on the armor of God that he can continuously work through you and change you. Are you with me today? That he can work in you and change you. And then he says this. He says, put on the shoes of readiness that come from the gospel of peace. Put on the shoes of readiness from the gospel of peace. What he means is, <coughs> put on the shoes, the boots, the combat boots, maybe the, our soldiers are here today, that keep you steady because you have the peace of God in the midst of conflict, in the midst of fight. The gospel of Jesus Christ has brought you peace, and that peace is knowing that God is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. That God is on your side. That God will fight your battles for you. That God will not let you fall and fail, and you may be hard-pressed on every side, and you may be pressed down, but you're not forsaken. He says, if you would just put on the gospel shoes of readiness that give you peace, I don't know about you, but in times of turmoil, which come often in my heart and mind, I say, God, I have to keep my eyes on you. For your word says those who keep their eyes on you are stayed in perfect peace, God. And I just fixate myself on Jesus Christ. And I say, you know what, Lord? You've not brought me this far to bring me back now. Have you ever been to a place in your week maybe where you felt like God had left you for whatever your circumstances were? He says, but the gospel shoes, they would allow you to feel that way because they give you peace. Not any peace. The Bible says the peace that God gives is a peace that surpasses understanding. And in the times of the hardest times of your life, maybe you'll lose a relative this year. Some of you are going to lose family members and friends. Maybe some of us might lose a spouse or somebody. And the peace that succumbs, that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will surpass your understanding. And you should be crying. But folks are like, what's wrong with you? You say, I don't know, but God has given me peace about his plan for my life. When you can't meet your bills, when you can't things you're saying God has given me peace over my life God has given me peace over my heart and my mind and because of that peace I can stand strong in Jesus you see peace knows a storm won't last forever 
I was talking to Brother Aubrey, and we got to talking about this sermon I was going to be presenting, and he talked about how a person, and usually I'll say, I'll say it's a white person who um, is a newscaster, and they stand in the middle of a hurricane, and the wind is blowing on them, the rain is beating on them, and they're standing closer to the shore than no man should, and waves are crashing in, and they're doing all types of crazy things, and they're sitting in the microphone, and a little cover over the head with a dumb cameraman, and like, we're here in Middle Beach, and this wind is now 172 miles an hour, and this is going to be a crazy storm. We're expecting waves to reach this place where I'm at, and a surge to come in and wipe out the whole front five miles, and we're standing right here to bring you the news. At what point does someone say in their life, I want to stand in front of a hurricane? It's like the crocodile hunter. God rest his soul. And he would just, you know, this, this animal can tear me apart. Let me hop on its back. That's just not cool. And, and Aubrey and me got to talk, and he was saying one of the reasons why they can do this is because they have the peace that the storm will, one, not only pass, but there is shelter very close by. The thing about the newscasters is because they come in to report and then they go back home where the storm is not. And the gospel shoes of peace, they give you that peace to know this too shall pass. The storm shall pass. The storm shall go over. And nothing the enemy throws at you can take you down. And Paul goes on, he declares that for every instance, every instance, you should put on the shield of faith. The shield of faith. It is your faith, the faith in God, the unshakable faith in God that says no matter what comes your way, I'm going to block it off with my shield of faith because you know what? I know that God is on my side. When Satan throws situation and circumstance after circumstance after circumstance, all you have to do is say, I know God is on my side. I know that God is with me and my faith shall not fail because I know that my faith can quench the darts of the enemy. My faith can stop the attacks of the enemy because when Satan sees that he's tried everything and nothing's worked, at some point he's going to give you a break. If you can just stand in the storm and realize my shield of faith is with me. Arrows of doubt, arrows of anxiety and frustration, depression and hurt. He said that all the fiery darts of the enemy. See, a Roman shield was about two and a half feet by four feet wrapped up in linen in order that it might not just absorb the hit of an arrow but also if a fire came onto it, fiery arrows, as the enemy often shot, it would extinguish it. And so Paul's looking at the shield of this Roman soldier, and he says, put on the shield. Put on this shield that you can quench the darts of the enemy. That you can stand knowing that God is with you. Your faith is with you. Now, after this, Paul switches to more of a sense of urgency. The, the Greek words he uses here take on more of an emphatic term. His, his parallels this, what he said when he said stand. He said it real strong. Stand! And now he's telling them this Greek word take here is more of an imperative rather than a participle. And he says, stand! And he says, take up the helmet of salvation. You know, part of the thing that, that can deliver any Christian is knowing that one day you'll walk with Christ. You know, I think that sometimes we want our best life now, and if you're looking for your best life now, you are lost. Forgive me for any preacher who says your best life now. If this is my best life, I am screwed because I want to see heaven. And if you're trying to live your best life right now, I am telling you, it is wrong. 
I'm not saying that good things won't come. I'm not saying that God can't bless us and that we can't have good things. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if your goal is to have your best now, you are majoring in the minors. And what I mean is you are spending the major portion of your efforts into the temporary part of your life, the minor part, and forgetting that there's a major part called eternity following it, called the second act. And if you spend all of your time focusing on what you have now, what you can do now, 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 you are wasting your life. There'll come a day where we will walk in eternity. And when I walk into heaven, I want God to be able to say, Lewis, thou faithful servant who did everything I asked of you. Maybe we might miss the bar here. We might miss the bar there. But you have got to be able to say, you know, I am focusing on the major portion of my life and storing up treasures in heaven. And Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation that will protect your mind. Next week, uh, or the week after, rather, Minister Melvin is going to preach on the battlefield of the mind. And so, and so Paul, I'm not going to go too deep, but Paul says, put on the helmet knowing that salvation shall cover any mental attack of the enemy. Knowing that your salvation is already won, that your salvation is already available for you. Knowing that God is on your side. This should give you peace. This should give you tranquility in your life. If you ever get too down and out, Realize that one day you're going to walk streets of gold if you walk God's will. One day you're going to walk next to Jesus. One day you're going to sit around and hear David tell you how he slew Goliath. And one day you're going to hear Abraham tell you how hard it was. But then one night something happened. Lord Jesus. All the Bible folks know what I'm talking about. One night something just happened. And him and, him and his dead wife, they just had a baby. And, and Lord knows. And, and, and Jacob telling you how he stole Esau's birthright. But God worked a miracle for him. I'm talking about one day we're going to hear the stories of the greats. If you stay the course and stand strong in Jesus Christ. And then Paul, very emphatically, he says, and take up the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And that is called the sword of the Spirit because the Spirit of God has not only authored it, (coughs) he has inspired it. And he speaks it, and every word a preacher speaks should be inspired by the Spirit. And so he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The word of God. He says, take it up. Take it up so that you may be able to defend yourself against the schemes and attacks of the enemy. When Jesus was driven into the desert after he was baptized, he was driven into the desert by the Spirit of God for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says the enemy came, the Satan himself came to tempt him. And he, he offered him three or four different things. And every time Jesus responded with, it is written. And he quoted a scripture. It is written. And he quoted a scripture. It is written. And he quoted a scripture. When you go through tough times and the hard times of life, all you have to do is say, it is written. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm not naive to think they won't form, but I'm smart enough to know they won't prosper on my life. He said that you have to understand, take up the sword of the spirit. It's part of the rather most important part of the armor of God. But I have to trace back a few verses where Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. Because when you face the enemy, you need a belt of truth. In addition to a breastplate of righteousness, in addition to shoes of peace that come from the gospel, in addition, yeah, to your shield of faith, in addition to your helmet of salvation and your sword of the spirit. 
Some of us daily, we try to go in there with just maybe a belt of truth, but not the sword of the Spirit. We try to, try to stand strong against the Satan uh, with maybe just a sword of the Spirit, but not a belt of truth or faith. But he says, no, you need it all. Verse 13 is so key. He says this, so use every piece of armor. Use every piece of armor to resist the enemy when he attacks. For when it is all over, somebody say all over, you'll be standing up. That was your opportunity right there to say thank you, Jesus. That I know that at the end of it all, the promise of God is if I put on the armor of God, I'll be standing up. I'll be standing up. It doesn't mean you might not fall down. It doesn't mean that your righteousness might not take a few shots like a bulletproof vest. It's designed to stop the bullet, not stop you from falling down after you get shot. Sometimes you're going to take some hits, and sometimes you're going to do some things, and sometimes you're going to have some mistakes. And he says, listen, you need to use every piece of armor that God has given you. Verse 18, pray all the time. That right there is a problem for most of us. He says pray all the time. And what he means by pray all the time, he's not talking about being on your knees every day in your house and being of no earthly good because you're so heavily minded. What he means is this. He says, listen, like the Lord told Joshua, meditate on my word day and night. I practiced that this week. I meditated on the word of God. I, I took a scripture verse. and I, I read chapters, but I took a scripture verse. And I said, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You are with me. And through the toughest times of my day, he won't leave me. He won't forsake me. He is with me. He won't leave me. He won't forsake me. He is with me. He won't leave me. He won't forsake me. He is with me. And for a whole day or two, but sometimes three days, I just spoke that promise over my life. If you want to pray constantly, church, all it takes is to you to meditate on the word of God. He will never leave me and never forsake me. He says, pray all the time. Ask God for anything in line with the Holy Spirit's wishes. Plead with him, reminding him of your needs. And keep praying earnestly for all Christians everywhere. Somebody say everywhere. You know what, church? (laughs) I said all that to tell you that God sent me here. To tell you, hold the line. You may say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Hold the line. See, I, I love, 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 love me some history. And I, I love historical movies. I love any movie with a sword and a bow and arrow in it. I'm going to watch it. I don't care who's in it. I don't care who's acting. I don't care what it's about. I'm not watching the movie. I'm watching bows and arrows fly. Yesterday, I was helping a brother in the church, and he was getting some stuff out of his car. He had an accident, but God protected him. Somebody say amen. And I was helping him get his stuff from Orange, and he bust out his trunk with a crossbow. And, you know, you would have thought I saw a million dollars. I was like, and I was on the phone with somebody, and he was like about, you know, maybe where Melvin's at. He shows me, he just pulls up his crossbow like, and in my heart, all I heard was, Yahtzee! This is amazing. But I love bow and arrows. I just love swords. I just love shield. I just love watching those kind of movies. I love watching Revolutionary War movies. I love watching American uh, history movies, movies about our history as a country. I love the History Channel. If you come to my house, you're going to watch two things. One, DIY, because I think I could do it all. And then uh, you're going to watch, you know, you're going to, no, seriously, and then you're going to watch History Channel. That's it. But my latest problem with History Channel is they show nothing historical. And so I, 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 I recall hearing a couple times this, this thing called hold the line. 
And I, I recall it one time in the movie with Mel Gibson called The Patriot. Anybody seen that movie? Great movie if you haven't seen it. And, and, and Mel Gibson, at the end of the movie, towards the end, one of the last fight scenes, he, he's, see, the way they did war back then was they just lined people up and they shot until other folks ran. It was really silly. I would have never fought like that. It's called a gentleman's war. And the British were lined up and the Americans were lined up and marched, just shoot each other. I was going to bring my flak jacket, but I found out it's illegal. And I was going to have one of the brothers from church who has an AR bring his AR, but I heard it's a class D felony to bring a gun to school, so I couldn't do it. But, uh, you know, but my point is that they just marched up to each other in full battle gear, pointed and shot. Pointed and shot. And what happens is that after a long time, they would have a right flank, a left flank, a center, a center column, and the men would line up one, two, three, four, five. The first row would take a knee, second row would go halfway, the third row would be up back, and after those guys died, the next row stepped up, and after those guys died, they stepped up. And, and, and Mel Gibson, he's, he's watching his men fight, and then he sees the bad guy who killed his little son, and he's walking across the battlefield like blinded tunnel vision to go fight this guy on a horse, and then the French general, the colonel, he says, he's talking his big French accent, the line is breaking. And what generals did back in those days, all the way back from the days of the Bible and medieval times and all the way back to the days of of Alexander the Great and, and the Babylonian Empire, they had one battle cry, they would shout. The general would shout when he saw the front line breaking because the enemy knew, rather, the, the, the people knew that if they could break through any line that the men had, that anybody to the left and to the right was dead meat. Maybe you're getting this yet. Maybe you're not. I'm going to work you through it. Don't worry. Somebody say amen. And so, and so what would happen is the whole point of the battle was to try and break through the line. And if you broke through the line, you would, you would win the battle. And men would start running and start retreating. It's like in the movie Gladiator. He's running down the opening scene. He's like, hold the line. Whatever you do, don't fall. And every morning I walked down my steps and I saw that bulletproof vest and I would tell myself, Lewis, hold the line. No matter what comes your way, hold the line. No matter what temptation comes your way, hold the line. Maybe you're missing this. And so Mel Gibson, he sees that the men are falling and people are starting to retreat and people are starting to run. And he sees that people are starting to, to really just like lose hope in the battle. And he's, he's crying out and he picks up the American flag and he runs to the top of the hill and he starts waving and he says, hold the line. Hold the line. Whatever you do, you're fighting for your family. You're fighting for your children. You're fighting for your city. You're fighting for what's behind you. If you go, everybody around you is in danger. Whatever you do, hold the the line he said hold the line see there's a day in the civil war one of the greatest battles and I'll close with this one of the greatest battles in the civil war was called the battle of Gettysburg it's the battle where they lost the most American lives and tens of thousands died and history tells us that the The southern army had attacked the left flank. They had attacked the right flank and lost scores of men to no avail. And the northern generals knew the next day they were going to come for the center line. And that night, all they said to their men was hold the line. Can I just tell you all something? You're just one battle away from winning the war. Some of you are one push away from what God's called you to. 
and the plot and the plan of Satan is to get you to try and fall and falter and to try and fall for temptation and try and get you to fall into arguments and fall into swearing and untruthfulness and get you to fall. But if you would just put on the full armor of God and you would begin to say, hold the line. I pray this year that when you feel yourself about to faint, about to fail, you would look yourself in the mirror and say, listen, hold the line. You've got to do this not just for yourself, but for your church, for your family, for your daughters, for your friends. You've got to hold the line. It's not just enough to be all dressed up for battle and not do anything. You don't have to run nowhere. You've got to stand and hold your position because the position God has given you is powerful. The position God has given you is worth keeping. And if God has placed you anywhere, it's worth standing strong. If God has placed you anywhere, it's worth being there. you feel like quitting stand strong and hold the line when you feel like maybe finishing out the fast isn't worth it stand strong and hold the line leaders when you feel like quitting and Satan hits you with laziness like he always does I challenge you this year hold the line stand strong for God stand strong for what you believe in if you don't stand for something you're gonna fall for anything I wish you would know that God really really has a purpose for you and if you would just hold the line my volunteers when it doesn't feel worth it hold the line when it doesn't feel like nothing's gonna work out in your families in your relationships in your marriages hold the line when you're struggling in your finances and you've been trusting God hold the line hold the line if God has put you somewhere there's got to be a purpose in it and while you hold the line look for the purpose that God has placed around you I challenge you that you would stay uh, in a mindset this year that says I will not let myself fall and I will lean on the power of God that he has placed in me I will lean on the strength of God that he has put in me and I will lean on the glory of God that he has placed in me and I will make a commitment to stand strong with the armor of God, with the belt of truth, with the breastplate of righteousness, with the shield of faith and the readiness of peace on my shoes that I would stand with the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, trusting, believing God that he's going to help me hold my line. Some of you will hold the line for your households single mothers hold the line this year single mothers don't give up on God God has got something for you God has got someone for you don't give up on God this could be your year don't give up on God we're here to help you we're here to sustain you we're here to love you don't give up hold the line if you're married in this place today I want to challenge you or headed into a marriage hold the line Everything will come against you. Satan will send all of his all of his darts and fiery issues, depressions and anxieties. He'll send everything at you. But if you would just hold, hold the line and stand strong. Paul said, when you've done everything, when there's nothing else that you could do, if you would just stand strong, if you would just stand in him, if you would just trust in him, if you would just believe him. You see, I, I can speak about this because I know about standing strong. Not a day goes by, the enemy doesn't tell me to quit, 
time a day goes by, the enemy doesn't lie to you and say, it's not worth it, it's not worth it, it's not worth it. You're wasting your time. People are not listening. You're wasting your time. He woke me up at 2.36 or 2.56 this morning, and he was there. He was telling me, Lewis, it's not worth it. Don't go to church today. Call the ministers. Tell somebody else to preach. And I stood up there, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I'm going to hold the line today, Lord. I don't care what happens. In 2014, I got to hold the line. When it seems like nothing's worth it, I got to hold the line. When it seems like nobody gets it, I got to hold the line. Because I know that God has placed me here for something. I know God has done something in me that can never be changed. And God has a purpose. And God has a purpose. He says, hold the line. When, <laughs> when the enemy reminds you of your past, he says, hold the line. Husbands, when you want to cheat on your wives hold the line do I have any righteous godly men this year who say pastor I'm going to hold the line against sexual addictions I'm going to hold the line against all types of issues in my life I'm going to hold the line against the works of the enemy in my life and I will stand in him and I will trust in him who has placed me here church if you would take five minutes in your life to trust him who placed you in that position if you would just trust him because if God placed you here if God put you in the midst of all that storm there's a lesson in the storm if God placed you in the midst of everything if God put you in a marriage that you seem unhappy in there's something in that marriage there's something God's going to bring something greater out of you if you're in a job that you hate God he's put you there for a reason not a season stop proclaiming the season and find out the reason and if you find out the reason and stop waiting for the season God says you will get out of there faster God says if you just hold the line if you would just trust me and believe me if you if you would just trust me you see my wife my wife has seen me in times where she'll walk into the bedroom and at two in the morning because she'd had to go to the bathroom could be impregnant and she'll see me in my bed crying out to God and saying God you gotta give me strength you gotta give me strength you gotta help me through this because I wanna hold the line for you God and you gotta do war in the spirit and doing war in the spirit does not mean attacking it means standing your ground and saying God I know I'm here for a reason God I know that you called me to this place in my life for a particular purpose a particular purpose in my life is there anybody today who says pastor I want to put on the armor of God and I want to hold the line for the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of my walk with God, for the sake of my family, my children, my marriage, my finances, my household, my neighborhood, my community, my job. I want to hold the line. I'm so tired of putting on the armor, taking off the armor. I'm so tired of it. All I want to do, all I want to do, all I want to do is hold the line this year. Church, if you can't do nothing else this year, just stand. If you can't do nothing else, just stand and say, God, you know what? I might not be doing everything I have to do, but I'm standing right now. I'm standing in the need of you, God. I'm standing trusting you I'm standing in my high school if you're in high school you should be standing strong for Jesus Christ you should be standing strong for the gospel wherever you go whatever you do every class stands strong if you're in college you should be standing strong for him you you should be making a stand for Jesus whether it's Hootatonic whether it's University of New Haven whether it's UB or Sacred Heart wherever you're at stand strong for Jesus Christ a generation of Christians who fall and falter in every way and every chance and every opportunity we get. We become so lazy. We become so lazy as Christians and become so lazy as, as leaders and we become so lazy in what God is calling us to do. This year is no time for that. 
God said, sound the alarm. Sound the alarm because I want to do something magnificent. And there's a war coming. And all I need you to do is hold the line. You wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities in high places and different demons. God said, you would just stand. Oh, if you would just stand and stand and trust him and believe him. Come on, if you want to stand strong this year, I want you to lift your hands right now. Come on, lift your hands right now. Oh God, you see our hearts. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that God would break the spirit of pride and stubbornness of the church. That God would break the works of the enemy. I pray right now that God would break the works of the enemy that are putting imagining into thoughts in the minds of men. I pray right now, Lord, that you would give us the authority, the power, and the boldness to stand strong in you. Lord, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that you will raise up a standard, God, and that we will hold the line. Lord, give us strength today. Come on, somebody shout it out. Give me strength, Lord. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you in our homes, our families, our jobs. Lord, we need you, God. Father, have your way in your people right now. Have your way in your people right now. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. I know God's working in some hearts and minds right now. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. You just... We're focusing on the Holy Spirit right now. Maybe you're here today and you've never really made that commitment to Jesus Christ. And man, this is your opportunity right now. Maybe you have, but you've really, really just negated your walk with Christ and you've walked away from it. You want to recommit right now. Come on. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand as high as you can so that I can see you. And I got one right already. I got, one, I got two and three. And I want to stop counting because we got a bunch. Lift your hand as high as you can. You know, you've been walking to and from God. And God says, man, now, come on. That's right. I got five and seven. I got nine and ten, eleven and twelve. Come on, you're saying, God, I want to recommit. Come on, lift your hands high. Stand strong today, church. Come on. I dare you to shout for somebody today. We're making commitments to Jesus Christ. If you can't get excited about that, you really don't belong here. I'm telling you, we're making commitments for Jesus today. Come on, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Maybe you're just saying, Pastor, I just need that strength to stand strong. Come on, your hands are going up too. Maybe you've been lazy this year and you've been past year in your walk with God. I need some people who say to me today, Pastor, I really want to, I want to press the restart button on my life. I want to be like Samson when he was in front of the Philistines and said, God, give me one last chance. If that's you today, you're saying, God, I want you to extend your mercy and grace to me all over again so that I can be the person you called me to be this year. Come on, lift your hands as high as you can, as high as you can. Maybe you're an usher, a volunteer, a leader. I don't care who you are. If that's you, you're lifting up as high as you can. Say, maybe last year I dropped the ball, but this year, man, oh, man. God, I want to hold strong. I want to hold the line while standing for you, God. I want to hold it, God. Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. Hands are going up everywhere. Come on. You're not looking around. You're forgetting about everybody. You didn't come here for nobody but God. That's right. That's right. You said, God, I maybe, I maybe, maybe I, I dropped in a couple areas. But Lord, this year I'm standing strong. If you're making that commitment today, you're lifting your hand as high as you can. I am standing strong all year long for Jesus Christ come on I want you all to repeat this prayer after me 
Dear Heavenly Father, I want to open my heart. I want to open my life to you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe your son died for my sins. I proclaim it with my mouth and I confess it with my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Say, Lord, strengthen me now that I can stand strong. Lord, remind me every morning to put on the full armor of God and stand. Now say this part with authority. Lord, when everything fails and my efforts seem hopeless, when Satan is coming in like a flood and nothing seems to be working, when my prayers aren't being answered, when my life is in turmoil, when my heart is breaking, when depression tries to wrap itself on me, help me to do what your servant Paul said and stand. Lord, help me to stand. Help me to stand. Help me to stand, Lord. Oh, I tell you to shout it out, Lord. Help me stand in you, God. Help me to be strong in you, God. Help me to get back to who I am in you, God. Oh, come on, if you pray that prayer, let off a shout of worship right now. Come on, come on, lift it up in this place. Come on, worship him. Worship him right now. Come on, worship him right now. Come on, tell him, Lord, you're so worthy. Lord, you're worthy right now. Come on, tell somebody around you, hold the line. Tell somebody next to you, hold the line right now. Whatever you do this year, hold the line. Don't give up. Don't give up. God has a 